Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, good morning, 9 a.m. Who's excited to be in church this morning? Hey, my name is Eli Nelson. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm excited to share the Word of God with you this morning. How many of y'all brought your Bibles today? Uh, let me see it lifted up in the air. So good to bring your Bible to church. It's important to read your Bible. And uh, if you have your Bible, open up to 2 Kings chapter 3. If it's on your phone, you can open up there as well. I'm excited to be able to share the Word of God with you today. We have such a great church. You're all great people. Turn to your neighbor and just say, you're awesome. Now turn to the second choice and say, you're awesome too. I see some people, they're like, that person turned the same, it's like you were that weird thing where you guys weren't even looking at each other because you looked the wrong way to begin with, and so now you're just saying to the back of a head, you know, <laughs> you're awesome, the back of your head is ridiculous. Second Kings chapter 3, back to the Bible, hey, I'm excited to share this word, it's been burning in my heart. Reeve, I'm pumped to share this word, I'm excited, I think it's going to be yeah, I think it's going to be a, a great word for you to take home, maybe maybe put in the vault to be able to, to go back in the weeks and months and years to come. And uh, how many enjoyed last week? Last week we talked about how suffering is actually in the Bible, how it's not, actually, it's not all gumdrops, unicorns, and rainbows, that there is a role that we have to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for Christ. And that uh, in this world you will have heartache, but take heart for I have overcome the world. And the main verse was Romans 8, 28. We know that God can work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we put the emphasis not necessarily on good, but the fact that you're called. And if God is your father, you don't have to worry about the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks at night, for it will not come near you. So God is with you. He's for you. He's strong and he is mighty. And so if God is your father, you don't have to worry about what's coming against you because he'll get you through it. Just because you're in it doesn't mean that God's not over it, that you're planted, you're not buried. Come on, I, I enjoyed that. You know, and so God's there, he's here helping you today. And now I want to share from 2 Kings chapter 3. This is, a, a, these are one of my favorite books in the Bible. First and second Kings are my favorite book. Probably because my name's Eli Sean. And uh, we're talking a little bit about Elisha today, my man, Elisha. And uh, I really just love reading about Elisha. And uh, uh, we're going to be sharing verse 6, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 6. It says, so at that time, King Joram, Joram was the son of King Ahab. You know who King Ahab was? He wasn't a man that followed God. He did not follow God. He was the husband of Jezebel. Joram was his son and kind of did a little bit, kind of tore down a few of the altars, but still continued in the ways of King Ahab. King Joram set out from Samaria and mobilized all Israel. What's happened is Moab has rebelled and, and they're, they're putting up a fight and basically they're going to go back and uh, they're about to go to war with Moab. He also sent this message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. So Joram was king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. It was kind of like these two different states that were right next to each other. It's like Nebraska and Iowa. 
you know. The king of Moab has rebelled against me, he said. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? I will go with you, Jehoshaphat replied. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. By what route shall we attack? He asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered. So Joram is leading the direction. An ungodly man is telling him, hey, this is how we're going to attack. Through the desert, say desert. Desert of Edom, he re-answered. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or the animals with them. Say, uh-oh. They got no more water. Who goes on a, a march in the desert with, no, with only seven days of water? What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? So Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? So here they are in need, and who does the godly man call out to? calls out to the prophet of the Lord. An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He's here like he's with them in the camp. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. I'm excited to share this word of you today. And uh, we're going to expound a little bit more on this on this uh, a topic that I just read about. So if you have your Bible, don't just close it up like I did. You know, keep it open because we're going to keep reading in a little bit. But I'm excited to talk to you if you're taking notes about this topic. Setback or set up? Is this a setback? They got no water in the desert? Or is it set up? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We know that you are here to speak to us. Holy Spirit, do what you do best. God, transform lives. God, I pray that it wouldn't just go in one ear and out the, under, out the other, but I pray that it would be like your word, which is sharper than a double-edged sword to divide bone and marrow. It penetrates to our innermost being. And so, God, as the words come forth out of my mouth, I thank you that they do not return void, but they accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. For your ways are higher than our ways, and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Speak to us today, Lord. And right now, church, just open up your hands and say these words after me. Say these words. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, put our hands together for Jesus today. Hey. Thanks, Reeve. I love our church. I love our people. You guys are all awesome. So if you don't believe you're awesome, we'll just, hey, just get her, stick around a little bit longer and you'll see how awesome you are because you're, you know, you're around awesome people. So you hang around awesome people, you become awesome. Hey, hey, hey. So we know from last week, and if you hadn't had a chance to check out the podcast, you can hear how we are, trials are inevitable. Like we are going to go through difficulty. We're going to go through trials in life. Just because you're a follower of Jesus does not mean that you will not still have problems. But we know that even though we're in the midst of the problems that we have, we can rest assured that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. That just because you're in it doesn't mean that God is not over it. So we are going to go through trials in life. And the one thing that God is trying to do is God is actually trying to shape you into a certain type of person that can cope with pressure. God is trying to shape you and keep you from being a chair that folds at any sign of pressure. He's trying to shape you. He's trying to mold you. And you got to be able to have a kingdom perspective 
about your trial. So as a believer in Christ, you can't just look at what you're going and ask and just wondering. We can all ask. It's important to be able to ask why God is this happening, but also being able to ask God, how are you going to use this? Because God sees the beginning from the end. And just because you're in it, just because you're in it doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan still in place. You have to have a kingdom perspective about your trial so that in your trial you can have joy. So James 1, 2 says that we are to consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your face produces perseverance. I think we have that verse up here. That's James 1, verse 2. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now let perseverance have its work so that you can be full, mature, say mature, and complete. Do we have that verse? Is it, is it working or not? If it's not, that's okay. Maybe we don't have it. But this isn't one of those things. <laughs> this isn't one of those, oh, we have it, and they yell out, no, we don't have it, like we did a few weeks ago. You know, he says, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the trial... The, the trial that you face helps you be mature and complete. We may think that God is taking things away from you. Ah, but God is adding things to you. You may be looking at it saying, why is this happening to me? Say, no, God is trying to make you complete, not lacking anything. So now you can have this perspective. Now you can have this kingdom perspective that no matter what you go through, that God is with you in the middle. How many of you are thankful that we have a God that is with us in the midst of our trials? Come on. Come on. But we have to have this kingdom perspective. We have to be able to look at the middle of it and see how God is using this for his good. Because you got to imagine and you got to understand that God is developing you. He is shaping you into a certain type of person. And the way God works though is that he brings into things into your life that Come bring make other things come to the surface, so such as as doubt or or difficulties that you have. Well, if you're lacking faith, God wants you to be able to have faith. He's going to put you into circumstances that will develop your faith, that will grow your faith, because God is is shaping you. And here's the thing about God is that there's no skipping steps with God, because if God is shaping you, He knows that you need certain things, so you have to go through a certain trial in order to develop the person that you need to be to carry what he has for you. Write this down today, that God knows what you need to carry what he has. God knows what you need. He knows what you need to carry what he has, because God has a vision, a purpose, a plan, a calling for each and every single person in this room today. He does. But in order for you to walk in that, sometimes you have to go through trials to develop you. God knows what you need to carry what he has. And I believe in each and every single person, you may not know what you're in right now or why you're going through, whether it be, hey, I'm going to hell and back. This is a tremendous setback right now. But God is developing you. Have that perspective. Have that faith that though this weapon is formed against me, it will not prosper. Though I'm in the valley, I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. You got to be able to have that perspective in life. Have the faith today that, no, God is with you. God is for you. He is, and I know he is. But how do you mean, you know, we always, sometimes, sometimes not always, we sometimes want to just skip steps and, and get the blessing before we're ready to carry the blessing. See, the blessing, with, when you're not ready to receive it, can actually be considered a curse, 
That's why we see lottery winners, many of them become bankrupt because they don't know how to fully manage money and then they just spend, 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 spend. Maybe another example would be, so in this nation, we have some polar opposites in terms of what people need for precipitation. So California is in a drought and Kentucky is experiencing heavy flooding. So one is praying for water. One is praying that they have too much water. So in your life, if the ground is not ready to receive the blessing, it'll wash right over it. It won't be able to absorb into it. I'll put it into another respect, uh, a perspective. My kids love to drive. And if judge me as a parent, go ahead. But every once in a while, I'll sit them on my lap and we'll park in the garage. They'll come out. Hey, let me pull the car into the garage. And I'm on the brake and the gas and they're just doing the steering wheel. Haven't hit anything, God willing, yet. But they want to drive so bad. But me as a responsible father know that this blessing could actually be a curse if I gave them the keys today. And they went off on their own. See, God has these things in store for you. But he has to develop you into a mature, complete person in order to carry what he has for you. What I see is that many people are praying for prosperity or blessing or revival, but they wouldn't know what to do with it if it kicked them in the face. God, we want revival in this city. Are you ready to have services every night? Wow, we just want to do it what God did down there in Brownsville or Azusa Street or out there in California in the 70s. We just want to see it. Well, they were having services every night. Everyone wants the blessing. Not many people are willing to take the responsibility that comes with the blessing. Because God knows what you need. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. How many of you know that God's ways and his thoughts are higher than yours? So even though you want the keys to the car, he says, no, not yet. You're not ready. You got to go through some steps. You got to go through a process to develop and become mature. Isaiah 55 says this. It says, for my, my ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. This is God talking to you. This is God talking to you. Declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So God is saying, you may be in the middle of it right now, but your ways aren't my ways. And I see something that's at work with you. I see something that is being developed inside of you. So just because you're in it doesn't mean that I'm not over it. Just because you're in it doesn't mean that God is not over it. So no matter what you're in right now, if you're in a predicament, a situation where you feel like you are quote unquote out of water and you're like King Joram or Jehoshaphat or the king of Edom and you're saying, what? How did we get here? How did I get here? Now, you may have got there because of someone else or because of your own uh, dumb decisions. Come on, we all make them. We all make dumb decisions. But just because you're there doesn't mean you have to stay there. Just because you're there, regardless if someone puts you there or you walked into it yourself, you don't have to stay there. This is not the end. This is not where your life ends. I think that's a word for someone in here today, that this is not where your life ends. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Say, my boat doesn't stop here. I don't know why I said boat, but we ain't going to dry up in the desert here. 
Oh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I said boat. Because there's a river coming. And you were meant to float on top of the waters, but you feel dry right now. I didn't run aground here just to stay, just to stay stranded in this desert. So let's go back to that story. It, we picked up, uh, let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 10. And hopefully you're still in your Bibles. You can read along with us. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. He's basically saying, why is this happening? Anyone ever asked that question before in your life? Why is this happening? Um, I think it was, uh, uh, I, 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 that's a different story, I think. Um, I think it was Mary that said that. Why is this happening to me? Um, but he's saying, what? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to die, to, to hand us over to Moab? Did the Lord do this? Who said to go through the desert? Joram. He said, let's go through the Joram. And now here he is blaming God for his own dumb decision. And we can judge Joram, but we do this all the time. It's the Lord's fault. It's God's fault this has happened. But you had a part to play. Like, you made the choice to, to, to go into the desert, King Joram. And he's saying to hand us over to, the, to, to Moab. So first he's blaming God for the problem that he's in. And then he's saying that God, this is the end of his life. Basically, he's done. So what King Joram is blaming the calamity that he is facing on God. But we have two different kings here. We actually have three, but we only have a narrative of Israel, Israel king of Israel, and the king of Judah. King of Israel being Jehoram, and king of Judah being Jehoshaphat. So get this, Joram blames God and avoids God. But Jehoshaphat seeks God out. He doesn't look at his circumstance and saying, God is out to get me. No, he looks at it and he says, how is God going to use this? Because he has a kingdom perspective over his trial. So he reaches out to, he says, is there no prophet here? And they say, yeah, Elisha, he poured the hands on Elijah. And we pick up in verse 12. It says, Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him, talking about Elisha. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Israel of Edom went down to him. I think this is incredible because as kings, most of the time, they make people come to them. But Jehoshaphat is the one leading this delegation. He says, let's go down and see him for God's surely with him. So just because we're in this, how is God going to use this? Let's go find out. Let's seek God out. They did not wait for God to just show up. They said, let's go seek God out. Elisha, being the prophet of God at that time, represented the voice of God. And so they are going down to God. They're not waiting for God to come to them. So you got to get this in your life. You cannot just sit back and wait for God to give you a revelation in the midst of your trial. Seek God out. Seek God out. Find him. And you will find him if you search for him with all of your heart. Not just, well, I did that church thing or I did that group, or I did that prayer. I went, the Bible said, glow in the closet, lock the door of the closet, and pray to the Heavenly Father who hears you what you've done in secret and reward you out in public. He'll reward you surely, and so I'm going to open up the door. God, I did that thing. I tried that thing. I tried it. Seek God. Keep on seeking God. If you don't find him, keep seeking him. Keep praying. Keep asking. Keep knocking, and the door will be open. Keep sowing. you got to keep sowing. In your life, you got to be a person that keeps on sowing. So they go down to him, and we pick up. This is where we left off, verse 13. 
Elisha said to the king of Israel, this is Joram, what do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father, King Ahab, and the prophets of your mother, Jezebel, so the prophets of Baal. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who calls us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. He's still pessimistic about it. It's the Lord's fault again. So here he is talking to God, saying how it's your fault. And so Elisha's basically like, hey, we don't have anything really in common here. Because all you ever want to do is just go around and just blame God for what you're going through. And so let's go up. Let's see what Elisha does. Even though, even though Joram's blaming God, because Joram is in the presence of a man of God, God still listens to his cry. Okay? Because he's with Jehoshaphat. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah... I would not look at you or even notice you. But now, say, but now. But now, he says. Now I can see it. Let's get ready to rumble. He says, but now. I need a but now in this place. You need to be able to have that perspective. Yeah, I'm going through it, but now. But now. Yeah, I'm facing this trial, but now. Yeah, I know God is on the move. God is doing something right here, but now. Bring me a harpist, he says. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord, word of the Lord says. Now everyone's on their seat. What's God saying? So give me a harpist. Do we got any, like, music we could play that would represent a harpist? I'd try to play that, but I'd probably end up ruining it. So Elisha's sitting there. He's going, bring me a harpist. Anyone ever notice that when music is playing, it gets a little bit more spiritual? You know, honestly, there's actually a very uh, a, a kingdom principle hidden within that. It's not necessarily as manipulation, but more so music was created before the world was created. You ever notice how songs have like a harmony to them? Man didn't invent that. That's kingdom. That's heaven. Well, you ever play something and, man, I wish I... I, I Reeve, I need to get together with you a little bit more and maybe practice my piano a little bit because I'd be getting on there and I'd start playing some things. If I went up there and I started playing things out of tone, you'd be like, well, that's off. You don't even know the song, but you know it's off because there's woven within humanity a level of, of music. So Elisha's like, you know what? I've been around this man for so long and he is starting to wound my spirit. I got to get in the presence of God. So he starts, and this is how I see it. He starts worshiping. He starts bringing some music. He's like, all right, I'm not going to get mad at this guy. Even though he's, he's, he's not following God, he's leading the people away from God, I'm going to seek God. So give me a harpist. God, what are you saying? Oh, okay. All right. Hey, this is what the Lord says. And everyone's like, come on, what is God? Aren't you wanting to know what God is going to say in your life? This is what the Lord says. Next verse, this part. Make this valley that you're in. Full of ditches. Stop. Cut the music. Say what? Make this valley full of ditches. Is that God? That don't sound right. So you want me to, you, you want us to dig? We need water. We're already dehydrated. But I got to dig? 
This is God talking. God didn't say, yeah, you're in this because of your own stupidity. God didn't say, yeah, you're in this because someone else threw you in there. He said, no, even though you're in the middle of it, I got a plan because my ways are higher than yours. My thoughts are higher than yours. I got a plan. He's saying, dig, dig. Why is he wanting him to dig? Yeah, dig deep. Dig deep. Why is he wanting him to dig? He's wanting to dig because he goes on a little bit further, and we'll dive into this a little bit later, because rain is coming. Rain is coming. But you got to be ready for the blessing when it comes. Otherwise, you won't be able to handle it. Otherwise, you won't be able to steward it. You want the blessing, but you don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to carry the responsibility to carry it. And he's saying you need to be able to dig to carry the blessing when it comes. So here you have tens of thousands of thirsty, near-dead men digging in hard ground and work that is essential in order to receive the blessing. And this is what you need to know today, is that even though you're in the middle of a desert, even though you're in a hard time right now, that just because you're in the desert doesn't mean that you can't dig. Just because you're in the middle of it doesn't mean that you cannot dig. Doesn't mean that you cannot pray. Doesn't mean that you can't keep sowing. I got to keep sowing. I got to just keep digging, just keep digging, just keep digging. I, I feel like there's a little bit of Dory that needs to come in this house. A little bit, just keep swimming. I'm just going to keep swimming. I'm just going to keep swimming. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep having faith. I'm going to keep being a man or a woman of God that knows if God is with me, nothing can stand against me. you got to be able to believe that, that no matter what comes against you, no matter if the medical diagnosis comes against you, no matter if it comes against your wife or your kids or your family or your church or your city or your nation, no matter what comes against you, God is with me. God is for me. So Oh, I'm gonna dig. I'm gonna dig. I gotta dig. I gotta keep digging. I gotta keep digging. I gotta keep digging, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if well, keep praying. Well, it doesn't make sense. I gotta keep praying. I gotta keep seeking God. I'm gonna keep coming back to church. I'm gonna keep being a part of a group. I'm gonna keep tithing. I'm gonna keep serving. I'm gonna keep being a part of something bigger than myself. I'm gonna keep on digging got to be able to dig. But why are they to dig? I, I love how they don't just stop there. Because God will give you a step. He won't always tell you the thing that is attached to the step, though. He won't. He'll just give you one thing. Yeah, start doing this. But many of us, myself included, we want to see beyond the step one. And we think it is so insignificant that we never even actually do it. And we're all saying, I'm just waiting on God to tell me what to do. And God's saying, I told you to dig. God, where do you have me? Is it in Omaha? Where's it at, God? And God said, well, I told you like four years ago. I'm not going to say anything new. I told you to dig. Start digging. You're dry up. You're parched. Start digging. What did God tell you to do that you stopped doing because you weren't seeing the blessing come in time? Because in the next verse, he says in verse 18, verse 18, he says, For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither 
wind, nor rain. Yet this valley will be filled with water. And you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. For this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. And he'll also hand it Moab over to you. So he's saying, you won't see rain or wind, but this valley will be filled with water. You won't see how it's coming your way, but you got to dig. Well, maybe when I start seeing the clouds, then I'm going to start digging. Well, maybe when I look for the cloud the size of a man's hand, then I'm going to start praying. Oh, well, maybe when I start seeing those walls start to fall down, then I'll start marching. God, could you have those walls start falling down? Like I'm marching around Jericho. Maybe if you just had one fall. Well, God, I'm sitting there praying for, for, for rain to come over the land. Wouldn't, could you just give me like some more clouds? Why do I got to pray six times, seven times to start seeing you move? God is saying, you will see neither wind nor rain, but it's coming. Because you won't see where it's coming from. Just know that it's coming because this is an easy thing for God. So this water rushes through and fills the valley and all these ditches that they dug up. And it fills all of them the next morning. And get this today, that the water was only available because they were obedient. Got to understand that. If you're dry, your role is obedience. God's role is is outcome. You got to be obedient. It doesn't make sense sometimes. It doesn't make sense. It will not make sense because your faith is not in what you see. It's what you don't see. It's the evidence of things hoped for, substance of things not seen. So it only came because they were obedient. And if they didn't dig those ditches, that water that flowed from Edom would have rushed right through the valley and then they would have just had mud. The blessing would have passed them by. Would have passed them right by. So what are you doing right now to prepare for the blessing? What are you doing right now? Are you applying yourself? One day God's going to use me. Are you growing in your gift? Are you reading some books? Are you preaching to the stuffed animals? Are you taking a Fender sound system and preaching in your basement? Are you growing in your gift? God has great things for me. Yea, verily I say to thee. How are you applying yourself to grow in that? You want the blessing, my friend. You got to dig. You got to sow before you know. That gift ain't going to grow until you just start sowing. You got to till up the soil. You can't just sit there watching and waiting for God to do something. Apply yourself. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says this. It says that whoever watches, the, whoever watches the wind will not plant. I'm just waiting for the perfect timing to do what God asked me to do so you'll never plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. I'm looking at the clouds and it might rain so I'm not going to go out there and start reaping. You're living in this perpetual state of what if. No, I know God is here. I'm going to start having a heart of expectation. I'm going to start having a heart of faith. I'm going to be full of faith. I'm not going to wait until I see it coming. I'm going to prepare right now. I'm not going to wait until I see the clouds or the wind. I'm going to prepare right now. you got to be a person that starts praying right now, that starts preparing right now, that starts digging right now. 
Charles Spurgeon, a great man of the faith, said this in regards to this passage. He said, but the most of people say, well, you know, of course, if God sends a blessing, we must then enlarge. If God sends it, then we will. Yes, that is the way of unbelief and the road to the curse. But the way of faith and the road to the blessing is this. God has promised it. We will get ready for it. God has promised it. We will get ready for it. God has said it, so I'm going to believe God for it. God is engaged to bless now. Let us be prepared to receive the boon. That's like the, you know, the booty or the, the booty and the, the, the reward. It's, it's like early 1900s he wrote this. Act not on mere strength of what you have, but in expectation of that which you have asked. You've got to have a heart of expectation. I'm here to tell you today, if you've lost hope, get your hope up. If you've lost faith, get your faith back. Get it back. God is strong. He's mighty. He's with you. He's for you. He never left you. He never forsake you. Just because you're in it doesn't mean God's not over it. You're not buried, my friend. You're planted. God is shaping you into a certain type of person that can carry what he has for you. So dig. And don't just dig half-heartedly. Give it all that you've got. Preach with all that you've got. Sing with all that you've got. Serve with all that you've got. Be a person that gives it all that you've got. Because the blessing was in direct proportion to the amount of effort they were willing to put in to dig. And it reminds me of Colossians 3.23 that says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your might, with all of your heart, as working for the Lord, not for other people. You're doing it for God, not anyone else. So the rains, the, 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 they didn't see wind. They didn't see rain, they didn't see a storm, but they saw water. Because this water flowed through a valley. If you do research on the map, kind of about where they were south of the, uh, in, in Israel, in the area of, of, of Canaan, that this rain happened several miles away. And the water was rushing. They say depending on what time Elisha gave this word, while he was talking, the rain was probably happening. And it took that long for the water to get there. For them not to see any clouds, for you not to see any clouds, that's going to be a good ways away. It says in, in the middle of the morning, right at the time of offering, they got up and they saw these pools of water. These pools of water that their ditches were filled with. So God is saying a word over your life. The rain is already on its way. The angel said to Daniel, he said, for when you first prayed, I was coming. But I was held up. By the power of the prince of Persia, that's the spiritual term uh, of demonic forces over this, over this world. He says, I was held up. When you prayed, I answered. But I was held up. When you prayed, I answered. God answered before they even saw it come to fruition. God had already answered. It was coming. They had to dig. And it filled all of these little pools. And they're, I, I think they're in this, this situation wondering like, man, did God send us out here to die? But now they're seeing a blessing coming their way. And I need you to take note of this. This is, I feel like, God's word. And the main thing that I want to get across to you today is that to God, you matter more than you think you do. He'll take care of you. He'll watch over you. And it is less, though, about you than you think it is. You matter more to God than you think you do. And it's less about you than you think it is. 
But here they are, Joram's cursing God. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Joram, you got to get this. This may look like a setback. But it's actually a setup. Because the, you got to get this. These waters are, the, 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 the ditches are full of water, right? And it says that Moab came out to the battle while they were drinking up the water. And they saw all of these pools of water. Well, with the color of the ground and the clay in that, in that region when the sun was setting, it made that pools, all those waters look like they were red. And it looked like blood. And so Moab said, the king of Edom, Israel, and Judah have started fighting against themselves. Let's rush in and take for what is ours. Let's, let's rush in and take advantage of the situation. So they rush in unorganized, and they get completely destroyed by Israel, Judah, and Edom, the three-king alliance that was coming against Moab. But they wouldn't have rushed in if they didn't see the pools of water. They wouldn't have seen the pools of water if Israel wasn't thirsty and going through a drought and in need of water. So you got to get this, that what God used to provide for Israel is what God used to deliver them. You got to get that today. That what you thought was sent to destroy you was actually to position you. You got to write that down today. What you thought was sent to destroy you was actually to position you. You got to just, just take a moment to look at the Bible. It's all throughout the entire Bible. Paul was on a shipwreck, crash landed on Malta, and a revival happened because his ship crashed. You got to be able to see, in order for you to know Jesus as a resurrection, Lazarus has to die. Because God is trying to shape you into a certain type of person. So this is what I see. <clears throat> you got to get this. That your setback is actually a setup. It's not a question, my friend. If God is here and on your side, it doesn't matter what hell comes against you. That I know that God can work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So you can go know the arrow fly by day and the, the pestilence stalks by night. I know it won't come near me. For I know though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For I know that God is with me. For I know that the weapon formed against me will not prosper. You believe that? And we'll stay here. We'll stay here. This is what I don't get though. And you can stand to your feet. I know that weapon won't prosper. Do you believe that? I know it won't. And how many of you are familiar with that verse? Raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. Use it in exactly that context. I've heard it my whole life. But I've never read what comes before it. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Isaiah 54, 16. Behold, I created the blacksmith that formed the weapon that was formed against you. But you need to know and you need to be confirmed in your heart today that it will not prosper. That God's hand may even be on it or over it. He's the one that made the blacksmith 
that made the weapon that was formed against you. What we know from last week in Philippians 1.19, Paul was saying, for I know that though your prayers, through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that breakthrough's coming in your life? I know God is with me. I know that breakthrough's coming. So no matter what comes against me, come hell or high water, I know God's gonna get me through it. And I wanna pray over you that you would have that faith. I'm looking at each and every single person today that you would have that faith. Know that God's gonna get you through it. You started making steps towards God. God ain't gonna let you snatch, anyone snatch you out of his hand. It's not gonna happen. The devil may come out like a roaring lion, but he's not gonna prevail against you. You gotta know that. So right now, God, I pray over every single person in this house. God, I pray that you would cover them, that you would grab a hold of them, that they may feel that their heart is wretched, that they may feel like they are dry right now. God, but breakthrough's coming. It's coming in the form where they may not see it nor hear it, God, but it's coming. And I believe for each and every single person, no matter what they are going through, as you prayed over Peter, God, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that their faith would not fail, that their faith would stand strong. And I declare it over their lives, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, breakthrough's coming. I believe it. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.